<laughs> Harry, you've had two gloves this entire time? <laughs> Harry, my hands are free. They open the briefcase of money and it's full of IOUs. <laughs> Those says, are as You good. might want to keep that one. That one's for a Ferrari. <laughs> It's such a good movie. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. So great to have you on week one of an incredible series. Who is this Jesus? We just came out of Mountain Mover, talked about that last week, but the it just keeps getting better. Um, you've Months ago, you traveled to Israel, had a great crew with you filming incredible footage. Uh, we got to see some of that, got to hear you preach about that. Why don't you give us your Sermon in 60 for week one of Who is This Jesus? Yeah, Sermon 1 was all on surrender, right? We see Jesus' surrender from... You know, the illustration of communion to his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane to the crucifixion, right, where he ultimately gave his life for us. And out of Jesus's example, we walk down that same path, right? And so we talked about three ways that we walk down that path of surrender by um, throwing off the things that hold us back from running the race, running the race with perseverance, so with people, and then ultimately fixing our eyes on our Savior, who is our example, who's the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. And so um, just a challenging message of, of surrender and walking in the same shoes, even if it's painful. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't asked this question in a while, oh boy. but uh, <laughs> no, it's the what, have you, what did you leave on the table question. Mm-hmm. And the reason, and I just wonder, is it any different for this? Because I, I love, I'll call it the economy of what was done there, you know, because we just had three locations that were so fascinating, so gripping, and then your point, you know, was so amplified, yeah. you know, by where you were. But there's these simple, powerful points, like three locations, three powerful points, ratcheting us forward in the surrender, in Jesus' surrender. But even with something like that, is there other stuff you would have left on the table, other things you would have talked about? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, if we were doing full sermons in Israel, we could have easily went down, you know, from Palm Sunday to that, you know, to the mm-hmm. whole week. Uh, one kind of behind the scenes things as we work with right now media and they paid for a huge portion of this trip. Um, they don't want 30 minute messages. They want nine to 12 minute segments for their small groups. And so just mm-hmm. like a, a window into what we were aiming after. Mm-hmm. And I think at some level that time, that, that time slot that we use, it's like you said, it's simple, it's pointed and it hits home mm-hmm. uh, really hard. And so I, I really don't think we, we spend so much time like this, this series took us a year, Yeah, you know, from conception to planning, to organizing, to like labeling when we're shooting, you know, we don't go to Israel and have a vacation. It's intense. Oh, it's yeah. 6 a.m. in the morning, 5. When the sun comes up, we try to get out and shoot to the sun going down. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong. We're still in Israel, so it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another behind-the-scenes thing, it rained seven out of ten days. So, like, even the video that you saw today in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you notice, like, when I'm walking away, you can see in my jacket, it's soaked. Yeah, it was funny because you mentioned that. The first time I saw the video, never caught it. Didn't yeah. see it at all. But after you mentioned it, I watched it again. I'm like, oh, yeah. There we actually shot three times. The third <laughs> shot we couldn't even use because the rain was literally pouring down my, like, face. Oh, really? And so, yeah, it's... 
Pretty yeah, I, I, I hear you in terms of it not being a vacation. I was part of the first Israel shoot we did years ago, and you, you guys are so much better than what we, what we did <laughs> back then. We've learned and gotten better. Uh, our, the first two Israel, well, I guess that's something I wanted to make sure I talked to you about too, is you've been to Israel, is it three times now? my third time, yep. Third time. The second time was, was, was rough. I mean, yeah. you, you learned of your, your dad's passing while in Israel. Yeah. Was that the time? the last day there, yeah. And then had to come back. And uh, how was it, you know, you know, how are you doing? And uh, how was it going back? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, grief is an ever-going thing, right? It never mm-hmm. leaves us, but I, I am at peace. I was nervous going to Israel. Um, it felt like the final hurdle to grief, right? The mm-hmm. final, like, thing lingering, like, will I ever go back to Israel? Mm-hmm. Well, what's a, what was amazing, I was, I was nervous I might be, have a day. I even warned the team guys I might need a day to, like, gather myself. Mm-hmm. I just had such peace, that's great. You know, again, I think that's the promise God gives us, peace that mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Um, I just felt at peace. It was almost like a welcome. Like, I felt like I was at home. I felt, I just felt really strong. And mm-hmm. it was a gift from God that I wasn't yeah. expecting. But you're also, you're going to the center of the gospel, center of our hope. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're being reminded there of where your dad is and yeah. what the hope is for the rest of it's us. True. So tell us a little bit. I know the first two times you went to Israel, you know, Northridge, you know, paid for that. And then Right Now Media used it. Um, such a good response that Right Now Media said, hey, can we help fund? So this trip, they sent funds, which allowed us to take a bigger crew. Mm-hmm. Right, we're able to take more people, and frankly, I'm I'm just loving the stuff I'm seeing. It's clear that you know the photography is so good, the lighting is so good, just the editing and composition of shots. Um, so tell us a little bit behind the scenes. What were what are the joys? What are the challenges? What, what are some of the things that people aren't aware of that goes on behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, just the the energy that goes into like planning shoots and allowing them to make sense and flow, I think is a huge part of the journey. Meg uh, Davidson helps kind of lay some of that stuff out. I also think like we do our best to shoot when you don't have random tour groups in in the background, right? People are touring Israel all the time. That's why Mm -hmm. we go in February because it's low season um, of tours. Um, we become aggressive of holding people back when we're shooting. We've had yeah. multiple people ask, like, what what news crew are you with or who are you shooting with? Um, avoiding guards <laughs> and, you know, all these things. It's just, it's an, it's mm-hmm. a journey. It's fun. It's exciting. Sometimes it's frustrating when the weather doesn't co- cooperate, when the sun is too bright. Like, it's just all these things that go into it. Um, but every time I've done it, it's been cool to see just, God's provision, right? God just takes care of the details that you don't even think about. Yeah, I, I do. I was impressed by that as well because I've been there and the place is overrun, <laughs> you know, with, with tourists. We were there in February, I think, but still. But when you were in the basement of Caiaphas's house, the jail cell, I'm like, it looked like you had the whole place to yourself. And I know that <laughs> is a heavily toured area. There's just people there all the time. So yeah, I don't know what bouncers you had, but they did a great job. <laughs> we have a great tour guide. Of, of and at up. some point we just acted like we were the bouncers. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, um, let's get to the actual content <laughs> of yeah. what you communicated. 
Um, we talked about surrender, and I'll tell you some of the questions that were going through my head as we talked, because we were talking about following the example of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We see what Jesus does by way of surrender, and then we're challenged to do likewise. I'll tell you what was in my head. What are the ways in which Jesus's surrender is different than our surrender? What are the ways it's like our surrender? We are supposed to follow his example, but we're also talking about a savior who did what we could never do. Yeah. We're, we're not dying for the sins of the world. We're not saving even ourselves. We're not earning anything. You know, there are things that he alone as our savior could do. And there's things, yeah. and yet we're supposed to imitate him. How, mm. any, any thoughts on how he's sent the same and how he's different? Yeah. I, one thing that I, I think we often um, don't see in the Garden of Gethsemane is part of the reason why Jesus is so stressed and so overwhelmed to the point of death is I think behind a little bit of that is, you know, we think of like sadness because of suffering. I think it was more anger mm. and frustration with death mm-hmm. that he had to die because of sin's roots in the earth. Yeah, And I think... You know, when we suffer <clears throat> our fr- or when we have to walk down a, a, the path of pain, what's different is we don't like the pain. Mm-hmm. I don't think Jesus was afraid of the pain. Mm-hmm. I think he hated the consequences of sin. Mm-hmm. I think he hated that the world was infested with sin, right? Mm-hmm. And that causes suffering. I heard someone say once, we should learn to hate suffering, but rejoice in what suffering produces. That's good. And we see that right here at the cross, right? Hate that our savior had to suffer, but rejoice and revel in what his suffering produced for us. Yeah. There's so many paradoxes, uh, like that, but, uh, there's also a word that it'd be because we're mentioning sin and suffering. It'd be easy to think of penance. Yeah. It's not no penance. We're not paying for anything. It's not like, you know, Go say twenty Hail Marys. (laughs) Make up for what you know what you did wrong. So, in the one case, Jesus is pure, completely righteous. So he's certainly not suffering for his sins. He's paying for the sins of the world in his suffering. But we, it's it's not. There's something. There's something, as you say, that's accomplished through our suffering. It may be accomplished in us, Mm. you know, the way it changed and shapes us. I mean, your rough valley with your dad, I mean, God shaped you with that, right? And then there's the impact that our suffering, the the, the suffering we're willing to take on, you know, from other people, you know, to... Well, and with the, like, we we almost, we're called to imitate Christ, right? And even in this path that he took, right, the path Mm -hmm. of suffering... I love Hebrews 12. It says, it also says that he sat down at the right hand of God, right? Uh So that suffering produced uh, something in Jesus, his willingness, his father elevated him, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible says that he elevated his name above every other name. There was a reward for the suffering. It produced our salvation, but it also produced Jesus's place with his father. And Mm -hmm. as we walk down our path of suffering and enduring because we follow Christ and letting go of things of this world and the pleasures of sin to follow him, there's a reward, right? There's a great reward that our Mm -hmm. suffering will end, right? The picture Mm -hmm. of heaven and what God offers us suffer temporarily Mm -hmm. to be rewarded eternally. 
Mm-hmm. Sounds like a decent trade. <laughs> yeah, and I know that for me, that choice to surrender and to suffer on the behalf of others, to exercise patience, it's, I mean, I just, there's so many times when I don't want to do it, mm. you know, it's just to walk that patiently, you know, with someone, you know, can be, you know, you know hard. I'm just thinking about um, either people, you know, I love, you know, who are far from God or people who are, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if people are doing boneheaded things, I just have to remind myself of how boneheaded yeah. <laughs> my own life is yes. and how patient, you know, Christ is with me. But, you know, what, what about someone who says, I don't want to surrender. I, this is, Christianity is not for me. I want to win. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to surrender. Well, the only way you win is through surrender. Yeah. Right, because if you're not willing to surrender to Christ, you ultimately lose. Mm-hmm. In, in the sense of, yeah, you might have a, a pleasurable, earthly, pleasurable life here on earth, mm-hmm. but Jesus says you lose your life. Mm-hmm. Right, you, 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 you know why gain the world and forfeit mm-hmm. your soul? Yeah, but he who loses his life will gain it. And I, I, I just think you know, when it comes to surrender, I think about those three steps, man. I think the Good Friday just reminds us all of how rotten and wretched we are, right? As much as I don't want to hear that, I want to think I'm a good person and I'm, uh, you know, whatever, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think of like running in work boots, right? And the sin in my life, like, ah, yep, I stand on a stage, but man, I fall short every day from my thoughts to my actions, how many times I choose to walk down my own path rather than God's path. And it's just a good reminder yeah. Of what Jesus paid for. Yeah, I think of you had given the illustration of running a marathon. And I mean, I know it doesn't look like it. Many years, many pounds, <laughs> many knee replacements ago, <laughs> I funny. ran marathons. And I ran the Marine Corps Marathon, which is run by the Marines. It's like the only major marathon that has no prize money. Mm. And yet the best athletes in the world will come and run it. But I was passed several times by Marines who were in full gear. That's crazy. <laughs> they had the boots on in the backpack. But what's different there is they're training for combat. Yeah. And so for them... It makes sense. It's essential, yeah, right? It Those are the essential things they need to carry. But then the, we, That's not hindering them. That's, that's not hindering them. training them for what they're going to be. Right, doing. and that is the mission. You know, They have to go into war with those weapons, with that gear, uh, and the rest. So we likewise, there's things we do need to carry, but there's a lot of things that we need to shed. I was kind of curious about what was crossing. I won't ask you what sins you've had to throw, no, throw off, but uh, what sort of other hindrances, you know, things that there's nothing wrong with them, yeah. but you've thrown them off because they've hindered your effectiveness. I got one that uh, I've been wrestling through for a while now, not knowing which way to go. Um, it's just my cell phone. Yeah. Um, just the distractions it brings mm-hmm. from being a dad to constantly have an excuse to be on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I was introduced to a phone that uh, has basically text um, directions and, uh, uh, you know, phone calls. Y- you can you can do the things you need to do, but that's it. It's uh-huh. designed that way. And I'm, like, prayerfully considering kind of, like, taking it on. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think my phone can be a hindrance to me. Um, through social media and how much time I spend there to work emails that come when I really shouldn't be looking at work emails. I should be with my kids or my family. And, 
you know, I wrestle back and forth. Well, sometimes I need to get that email or sometimes, but yeah, I, I've been like just wrestling through my, my phone usage. Yeah. We've all been reading all kinds of stuff about <laughs> the pluses and minuses of, of, of cell phones and smartphones. Yeah. It's also the thing with, you know, uh, hybrid work, right? And working remotely. I mean, it, there were so many things that you could only do in your office yeah. before, but now they follow you 24 seven. Right. And, uh, that was one of my challenges, you know, my previous job was just the boundaries disappeared. So yeah. it takes, that is definitely you, you know, to make yourself unavailable, mm -hmm. you know, either through your phone or, you know, you know, you know, remotely, that's a countercultural choice. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely. yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot you know, you talk about friendships, some friendships like you, you, you got to get rid of. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, by no means do I mean anybody who has a smartphone is doing the wrong thing by any mm -hmm. means. I mean, you know, like Taylor sure. is producing our content for social media, which I think is amazing. And so I'm not telling anybody that <laughs> social media by any means is wrong, bad. I just think for me, it can be a distraction. And yeah. at what point does it become a hindrance? I think when it does become a hindrance, the Bible clearly says, throw it off. Yeah, I've heard John Piper talk about it. He clearly talks about the dangers, and he also says, I thank God mm -hmm. for this technology. Yeah. There's so much ministry I can do through it. So, that's right. you know, definitely wisdom there. You mentioned friendships, so I think that's a good uh, segue because you had also talked about community groups, and you had talked about mm -hmm. how what the positive role that community groups can play with regard to this. I have a question, which is, wh what have you seen you know, what if your community group or your group of friends are too surfacey, or, or you're going to community group week after week and you just feel like this is something surfacey, like what you are challenging people isn't happening? How do you, how do you cross that boundary? Any any thoughts there for making groups better? Yeah, I think vulnerability. Um, you know, if we aren't vulnerable with our community group or our close knit of friends, we essentially live like the world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the most shallow places is Christianity, we, right? We show up to group and we say, hey, how's it going? Good. When our lives are really not. Mm -hmm. And I think if we want to grow and become better followers of Christ, it's, there's a vulnerability and an honesty that we need to have with the right people, um, the right place. And I think our community groups, once you develop those relationships with people, it's a place to dig deep, to have people encourage you and pray for you when you're struggling. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of, you know, this marathon we run. We don't have to run it alone. Yeah. And uh, listen, there have been times when my dad died, my group carried me. Mm -hmm. They made meals for me. They encouraged me. They sent me Bible verses. They prayed for me. Those were the very things that kept me strong mm -hmm. in my weakest, right? Mm -hmm. At my worst spot. And I think we have to be we have to play both those parts as community groups. We have, as leaders, we have to be willing to be vulnerable. Guys, I need your help. Mm -hmm. I need you to hold me up. I'm tired and weary. Or mm -hmm. at, 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 at some point that role switches. Now I play the role sometimes of like, hey, I'm gonna cheer you on. I'm mm -hmm. gonna challenge you. I'm gonna push you, right? We're running this race together. I'm not gonna leave you behind. I'm not gonna sprint so fast that you're looking, I'm, I'm not even wondering where you are. As a group, we walk together. We challenge each other together. Yeah, I think that authenticity is huge. The verse that always echoes in my head is John the Baptist saying, he must increase, but I must decrease. Yeah. And I always think, well, there's an intentionality there. How do I, there's times where I have to decrease by letting people know I'm not the person you think I am. <laughs> That's right. So, and that might be that I struggle 
in embarrassing ways, mm-hmm. right? It's just like, dude, you know, you're a grown up, you know, what's yeah. what keep up, you know? So it can be just admitting where we struggle or admitting those, those sins mm-hmm. and those failures. It's just like, um, and those, and I have seen groups, you know, be with people in those very yeah. hard times. Karen and I have been part of groups for many years. So, so we, we know some, some dark, but ultimately good, you know, experiences yep. where, you know, there was just, you know, an issue of sin, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just like, we love you too much yeah. not to step in yep. here and not to challenge and you. And I think we, as groups, we got to be careful because there's obvious moments where we step in. I think it's when it's not obvious is really when we dig deeper, when it's, mm-hmm. we're pressing into the areas, we're looking for areas uh, uh, in our lives and being vulnerable with them when people would never notice, mm-hmm. right? When my dad died, it was obvious that my group needed me. I think those are the moments where it's easy for us to carry people. But seeing past the surface, knowing someone well enough to be like, I don't think you're okay, mm-hmm. right? I want to help you. You know, I think that's when a group grows deep and really lives out biblical commu- community, which I think is is amazing. And the way we do that is ultimately what we said, right? We got to fix our gaze mm-hmm. on Jesus. And I, mm-hmm. I, that's why I love the disciples, right? Even we learned so much from the disciples this last series, Mountain Mover, like mm-hmm. they had little faith. You're like, yes, yes, they are just like me, failures. And here we see it again <laughs> in this story, right? Jesus is about ready to go to the cross. And what are they doing? They are taking a nap on him. Yeah, yeah. And look at how much the disciples accomplished Mm-hmm. Right. Look at how much how God used them, despite how much they failed. And I think that to me and probably to so many people listening, how encouraging is that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're going to fail. You're mm-hmm. going to fall. The grace of God is powerful. Mm-hmm. Let it pour over your life. Mm-hmm. Ask for forgiveness. Keep running. Keep get your gaze back on Jesus mm-hmm. and keep going. Yeah, I love that mantra all through communion and the rest of it. Fix your yes. gaze. To me, it's a bit of a pun. I mean, it obviously means to give our attention to Christ, but I also know that I need to, my, my gaze is broken yes. and I need to fix it. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> didn't even saying, see that. Okay. <laughs> by putting it to Jesus. Well, listen, here we are. Um, if you're listening to this when it drops, it's early in Holy Week. That's right. Um, we got a few days. Um, we're going to go through Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, yeah. Holy Saturday, I guess, if you've got all the names uh, for them. But next week is Easter. Yes, it is. Easter. Week two of this series. So why don't you um, tell us why we ought to come back for that? Well, I think the video this week probably was enough reason to come back. Um, but it's Easter, right? So I would just assume many of you, based off tradition, are going to come back. Yeah. Um, so I would challenge our church in a couple ways. One man, let's, let's inviting, let's invite our friends, our neighbors, personal invites, mm-hmm. social media invites. We've got a lot of stuff. Uh, Taylor produce works really hard. Share it, share it on social media, share it on Facebook. Um, send it to your friends, tag people in it. Just easy ways, non-threatening ways to invite people. We got services at Rochester Saturday night and you know, the normal times on Sunday, if you can make, um, that eight 30 or that Saturday night service, huge win for us to create mm-hmm. seats for guests. Yep. Um, at Webster, you got normal service times as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a quick sneak peek. Easter's a little different this year because we're going to look at the story, the resurrection power of Jesus before he ever rese- ever res- resurrected in the very first person to know about his resurrection. 
Very cool. Well, listen, hey, one of the perks of online, we will also have our regular schedule on Sunday morning, but you pick your favorite time. We've got plenty of room for everyone. But if you're in person, I know I have a lot of online people I'm talking to who they're online a lot, but Easter's the one week they want to be in person. So again, if you're... Please bring someone. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, consider one of those services that are less crowded. But you will definitely want to be back. And we'll be back next week to talk about Easter. Easter.